0: Interludes Extra Talk on Tuesdays brings extraordinary authors, coaches, and talent to the platform. And we have our own coach Tony Thompson to vouch for that. Hey, it's Coach Tony.
1: What's up, powder
0: boys? Yeah, I got a question for you. We're in the NBA finals season. Yes. And I'm wondering how is Miami able to keep pace? with the Denver Nuggets, who are favorites to win this year's series. Hmm.
1: Well, Val, you know, first of all, it's, it's kind of strange because Miami, in eighth seed, right? No one expected mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got a lot of players that no one really knows. You know, remember back in the day, Val, I could, we could talk about Chicago Bulls. You pretty much knew everybody on the roster.
0: Everybody. Now, That's right.
1: these teams are... You maybe know one or two players. If I say Jimmy is everybody knows who that person is, so forth and so on. And the reason why you're seeing this is because the influx of basketball all the way back to as far back as middle school, where pretty much the recruiting starts. And these kids are coming out of so many different programs. And this is the reason why we saw in college basketball this year Val, with two unknown teams in San Diego State, right, and FAU, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making it to the final four. And because of that, that's what's going on with the business of basketball. And now we got what we're seeing right now in the finals.
0: Literally, we recently had on the show Merle Code, who has a book called Black Market. And he talks about his travails as a consultant for working with some big industry leaders with shoe companies and, and otherwise and unfortunately ended up doing a five-month bid in federal prison and i think the interview that he's about to do that we're about to listen to black market of basketball was a little little dangerous
1: you know the funny part about it is about you know i get a chance to be in that in this book right here
0: mm-hmm. and you
1: guys want to hear us talk about that a lot the black market and as you just said um it is dangerous and people look at it as a sport. And we got people that gamble on it, right? In Vegas. We're talking about the NCAA March Madness. It's the biggest money maker of any sports. We talk wow. about the Super Bowl. We talk about college bowl game. It doesn't matter. That six weeks of March Madness brings in more money for the NCAA than any sports there is because wow. of it. And yeah. as you guys are listening to interludes talked on tuesday with myself coach tony and val the force and mr mike Womble, a past executive as val mentioned with adidas and nike and brought a lot of nba guys to the table but because of what he did as an executive got him on the wrong side of the table val and he had to do a five-month bid but as you listen to this show you're going to see and hear and understand about the black market the business of basketball.
0: Let's get ready to rumble and learn all about the business of basketball with Merle Code, the author of the book Black Market, an insider's journey into the high-stakes world of college basketball. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is Interludes.
2: Interludes. A Peer Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by.
0: Need help with wills, trusts, or protecting your LLC? Join Legal Shield today. Text the word legal to 347 652 0243 for more information.
2: And now, all the way from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Belle The Voice Johnson.
1: Man, I love it, I'm glad you guys covered it. I tell you, you know, Mike and Val, we always talk about a lot of serious topics on the show. You know, this gentleman, very good friend of mine, my guy, you know, a skilled veteran in the business of basketball, you know, relationship building is like none other than, than anyone I can think of. You know, he presently on the contract with Foursquare and Hopper Collins for this book right here called The Black Market. We're gonna talk about that, we'll get into that as well. But Mike and Val, this gentleman was responsible for the reconstruction of the Adidas Gauntlet. We'll talk about that, which is the AAU circuit where all these kids are playing at. But more importantly, listen to this. As he was an executive and consultant with the two biggest shoe companies out there, Nike and Adidas, he accounted for players like Michael Red, Mm -hmm. Tayson Prince, Mm -hmm. Andre Iguodala, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, Carlos Boozer with the Bulls, Mike, and none other than Shoutown's finest, and Anthony Davis. And that list can go on and on and on, but I just drop you guys the meat. We're gonna bring on my home guy, Mr. Merle Cole. He gonna give you the potatoes, baby.
0: Welcome, welcome. Woo-hoo. All right,
3: Merle, Merle, what's is, good? What's good? I'm sorry, Tony, how you doing, brother? man i'm
1: good tonight how you doing tonight good i'm good i'm
3: good
1: man welcome to welcome to the show the the fastest growing sports topic show coming in the country of course you got my girl right here val the voice and my man wednesday michael wednesday womble on and of course me coach tony with the sports show and my guy merle code on the show you know we're gonna we're gonna dive into some some topics tonight merle that a lot of the parents uh, a lot of us, you know, I'm glad to have you on tonight because we kind of walk that same path, you know, dealing with everything. You know, you are a South Carolina kid, uh coming up, family full of athletes, uh, things like that. That's kind of give the, the audience a little bit of your background, you're growing up. You know, your dad had an opportunity in South Carolina, was good enough to play at the University of Clemson and wasn't able to do that because of the time. He grew up, so he chose to go to North Carolina A&T and start and become a professional. And then years later, as the numbers change, you go to play on to Clemson. How did that make you feel as a young kid with that opportunity that that your dad didn't get a chance
3: to do? Yeah, no, I I think um, certainly growing up in a house where you understand the the culture dynamic and and, and the times that my father grew up in. Um, And even, even prior to my father, my grandfather played in the Negro Leagues. And so having uh, having that historic context uh, in terms of family upbringing uh, was is important. Uh, you know, you got to know where you come from and who you come from. To know where you're going and where you're trying to go. Uh, and so I was very fortunate and blessed to have uh, my grandmother ran track at South Carolina State. Uh, okay. My, my, my and, and played basketball, which is where my where where I think my basketball uh, prowess comes from. Uh, my father. Uh, was was a a baseball player and and, and a, ultimately a professional football player. And as I mentioned, my, my grandfather, a, a a Negro League a professional baseball player. So I come from a, a long line of of, uh, of talent and and family family athletics and education are extremely important. Um, and so it was certainly a a, a, a a surreal type of opportunity to be able to, to to attend a school and play for a school that wouldn't allow my father interest because of the color of his skin. Wow. Well, wow, you know,
1: it, the interesting part about that is, you know, you were at the cutting edge of the the time. You know, you and I, we, we talk about grassroots. And for those that don't know, the grassroots side of the house is, is what the shoe companies at Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, is kind of deemed now where the younger kids kind of get their startup and the opportunity to play and uh, do things of that nature. And looking at that, You know, you didn't really have, of course, the AAU wasn't around that time. So how did you develop your skills? You know, were you just, did you get hungry one day and start just developing and working? You know,
3: how did that come about? Well, so AAU existed in a different format. Uh, Right. When I I grew up, um, as coming through as a kid, it was really more state related. So each state kind of put their best foot forward. And there was a national tournament where each state, depending on the size of that state, would have one or two teams representing the state right so each of those teams would meet in a uh designated location I believe 14 and unders my year um in 80 88 89 was in Syracuse New York and so the best teams out of Indiana the best teams out of New York the best teams out of South Carolina we only because we're a small state only had one team Right. So the best team, you had a, a state tournament and the best team out of the team that wins the state championship, so to speak, from an AAU perspective, then went on to play in the Nationals. Um, that has since evolved into, you know, from it, for, for those who don't understand kind of how it works, it has now evolved into what's called travel teams. So it's kind of your normal, what you would call AAU basketball. It's not AAU basketball. That's a generic right. term. That's a generic phrase that's used but AAU basketball is is a business entity unto itself. Travel Correct. team basketball is really housed under each of the shoe company umbrellas because that's where they are 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 analyzing uh, and recruiting the next level of talent for their particular brands. Yes, exactly, and I, I know exactly. I, I'm a Chicago guy, so at
1: that point, what you said is right, and we, we was west side versus the south side. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the summer with a couple of north side guys and what have you, we played what they call the grade eight. So it'll be two teams from Chicago, two teams from Milwaukee, two teams from Detroit, and two from Indiana, which is usually one from GI, which most people understand is Gary, Indiana, and the other one from Indianapolis. And we would meet for that summer. Those eight teams would compete. And that that's how you knew. And by the time school started, you know, we we knew the other side of the city who could play what. And uh, I was part of that few years ago of the demise of AAU when AAU hit rock bottom in the national scandal that happened and the Nike and Adidas EYBL and the Adidas gauntlet was born and of course Andama came behind that, you know, you being that executive and on that side of the house and we're talking about at that time, it was still small. Now it has grown to be very large. And you, at that time, I think you were executive with Nike at that particular point, correct? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, have, how did, how did you have, come have, from the have. Nike to the Adidas house?
3: So, yeah, I, I started at, at Nike on the consulting side. Um, and then after 13 years, uh, kind of moving through uh, and, and having some, some some blessing in being in, in the upper trajectory model uh, to, to, to go from being a consultant to being a rep to being a manager, to being a director. Um, so I had some had some uh, some opportunities to step in different levels of the game within the business side on the footwear side to understand the difference between the game and the, and the difference between the business. Uh, and so <clears throat> I was able to touch the NBA side. That was my first experience in terms of um, servicing high profile players, um, and then basically using my experience as a player to evaluate and then getting into contract negotiations for endorsement deals um, and having high-profile conversations with front office people to know who was going to draft, who, why, with what markets. And then again, that that will reflect on the decisions that we would make internally as to who we were going to spend money on because what market they were going to be in. Um, so your New York, your L.A.s, your Chicago's are your primetime markets. And right. so when players are going to those markets, you want to make sure you have uh, a foothold Um, because those are going to be the most visible um you know organizations from a global perspective good evening good evening mr Uh, Cole. it it is
4: it's 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 an honor a blessing to have you here with us tonight um uh i do as coach tony i mean coach tony has uh wow knows so many interesting and wonderful people and to like to to bring you in to into our space we, we are certainly honored and privileged to have you here i want to ask you some real basic questions to kind of start off with here is there a such thing as um how would i put it um uh, mm, amateur sports is there such thing as amateur basketball in america
3: The question, the answer is yes, but that, that, that is a, a, an answer that I will, that I will say it stops at typically at the middle school level. Correct. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, Okay. So so for me, and, and, and again, it's, it's, this is, this is an opinionated, um, well, that's why we're here we're here to hear your opinion you are the author
4: of the book i mean well, I,
3: yeah no and i say that to say it's an opinionated discussion right Okay. okay. with some experience in terms of what i've dealt with and, and it also depends on what you consider amateur and right. what what is the line to be drawn between amateur and not necessarily professional but receiving some benefit what is that right because contextually these kids that are at, at the college level are still considered amateur, even though they can sign million-dollar NIL deals. Right. Right? So what <laughs> is really amateur? And then well, what well is your, let me, can, what can is I, let me preface.
4: What, let me, let me back up. What is your up. definition of amateur? Well, let me back definition? up just a bit because uh, I recently, and I know I'm not the only person because it does have to do with the king, King James. Uh, there is his own version of his story and the story of his guys coming up called Shooting Stars on, on Peacock. And it mm-hmm. talks about that case. And it took me, it, you know, it, it brought me back because I remember watching the game on ESPN. I remember watching those games against uh, Oak Hill. You know, <laughs> high school, high school on ESPN. It's like, my goodness, you know, but if you have him and you've got Carmelo, I, I guess, you know, you're going to have viewers. I, I get it. But What I didn't remember was the fact or know at the time that during the time that he was in high school, that his mom got a Hummer and they talk (laughs) about it in, in the movie. They say that she, you know, took out a loan, got the car and they knew that everybody knew that she would be good for it. Well, of course she would be good for it, right? With the loan on the Hummer. But that was okay. So, Mr. Cole, here's my, my question, because that was okay. That didn't didn't threaten his eligibility. He kept playing. It was the fact, according to the movie, that he receives a jersey from someone else, which could, could, could be considered to be a bribe that throws his whole amateur status off to the point he has to petition to try to play his last game. The, that to me, sir is insane the fact that she is driving he's driving around in a armor that's okay but a west unsell jersey <laughs> throwback so,
0: so that I'll threatens say, your I'll amateur
4: status so that's yeah. why i'm asking you is there a such thing as amateur sports in our
3: country well again i think that that, that all this is is predicated on your definition of amateur right and and i would say this um when when there are folks looking to to try to take you down they're going to find more than at one avenue to to try to accomplish that mission right and when you are a high profile young black man as lebron was a young young black man who was cover sports illustrated who's the next big thing you got to understand the media's job is to to create some kind of scandal that's their job their job is headline their job is mm-hmm. to bring negative light to a young black man who's got a chance to earn, earn money mm-hmm. they, get, they, get, they get benefits there are benefits to them in the media space that don't look like us typically to bring young black men to their needs whether they be athletes whether they be in the business world young black men who's, who have startups always facing some, some kind of inquiry um, because of there's an opportunity for them to, to, to surpass those that don't necessarily look like them, right? And so they couldn't get him with the Hummer, so the next thing was the Jersey, right? And mm-hmm. so had he gone to college, there would have been something else. But because he chose to not go to college and because he was afforded the opportunity, because at that time the rules allowed him to leave straight from high school and go to college. Right those those inquiries ceased because they couldn't right, right Back to the him. NBA.
4: Yes.
3: Sure. So again, they were trying. Um, they mm. were unsuccessful because the people around him had covered the tracks enough to know, okay, mom's good on this side, the jerseys and, and again, what people also have to realize is state high school rules aren't the same as the NCAA rules. Exactly. Sure. So because you right. do something at the high school level doesn't necessarily mean it's it's uh, illegal at the at the college level. More things are illegal at the college level than are at the high school level. If that was the case, and and I'll give you a real simple example, you all have nieces and nephews. If you gave them a birthday gift in high school, there's nothing wrong with that. If you give them a, a birthday gift in college, that could be seen as an impermissible benefit. Right.
0: right.
3: Which is ridiculous. But very much. Ridiculous, they don't want the le- they don't want the playing field level. And this NIL thing, luckily, because of what we've gone through, has, has changed the landscape of, of the business for these young black men and
0: young
3: black women. Exactly. So, would you guys to say
0: something? Well, I just, um, I appreciate the tenacity and real honesty of your book, Black Market, An Insider's Journey into the High Stakes of the World of College Basketball. That, that, that It, it kind of disturbs me because I know these young men are someone's sons that mm-hmm. are literally being... Um, used to make millions of dollars for the the universities I I found out that one of the top tier college basketball coaches makes somewhere in the millions so I'm, I'm trying to figure out why is there such a strong black market around black boys playing basketball like what is that like and what inspired you to write this and educate the the masses about the reason for writing this book, Black Market? What was what was your callus for writing? Yes,
3: yeah, so, so for those that, then I'll, I'll answer the latter part first, and then go back mm-hmm. to the first part of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a cathartic experience for me in terms mm-hmm. of writing the book because I had gone through the legal process. Um, I was indicted um, mm-hmm. for working for Adidas. Um, I worked for Adidas and was uh, asked to per, to, to uh, submit an invoice for a young man that was on his way to a Louisville sponsor, to a Adidas sponsored school at Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I submitted an invoice as I was, as I was asked to do, because I was a consultant at that time. I wasn't in the building. I wasn't an executive. I was not being paid um, or insured under the company umbrella. Um, I submitted an invoice as I was asked. And then I had the fans knocking at my door saying I defrauded the University of Louisville
0: Hmm.
3: and so I then go through the trial process and not allowed to show the $160 million relationship between Adidas and Louisville. Not allowed to show the $190 million relationship between Adidas and Kansas. Not allowed to show the $100 million relationship between Miami and I mean, Miami and Adidas, not allowed to show the $80 million relationship between NC State and Adidas. And I'm being charged with defrauding the same folks that we got hundreds of millions of dollars in relationships. And I'm a consultant. I don't make these decisions. These are decisions right. that run up the flagpole. And so what ultimately happened was I became a scapegoat from a corporate standpoint and end up doing five and a half months in federal prison for something that I didn't do um Mm -hmm. and so that was the rationale and the reason for writing the book was because i wanted the world to know this is how this business works right and no matter what you do to me i'm gonna gonna speak the truth it doesn't matter what you do to me i've built Mm -hmm. enough relationships in this business i'm gonna be okay what i'm not what i'm not gonna do is not have the, the, the 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 public and the folks that look like me and the communities of kids that are coming behind me to not under the parents, to be educated and understand how these young men are exploited and how they need to understand their value and what they need to be aware of as it relates to the business of of, of basketball. I, exactly. I, just, I just wanna,
4: I wanna get specific in, in what you said because um, so that people can really understand the question that Val asked in the way that you answered it. Cause I know you answered it very specifically. You said that you were not able to enter that into the trial so you were specifically blocked from showing that as evidence
3: is was that the case so any and everything so what you again and it get back it gets back to more than basketball right it gets back to being a black man in america and how does the system treats us when the truth doesn't matter because the truth doesn't matter as it relates to us Mm -hmm. and so that was a lesson and again it was hard for me because my father's a lawyer. My father's a judge. Right? And I come from a house where the law mattered. And this was not breaking the law. There were laws and white men who'd gone to court and had it thrown out. But when I go, <laughs> but when I go, mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm in not only indicted, I'm convicted. And it's right, not right. the Right. So, so so but the evidence
4: that you had that you so, said yeah, that you so, weren't so, able there to do nothing,
3: there was nothing prevalent in our cases related to the evidence that we had that was allowed into the court. Nothing. And and, right, there was, right, and right. there's nothing that 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 it was uh,
4: surprising either. I mean, people know that these universities have these relationships with shoe companies listen you weren't revealing something that
3: was unknown right like listen when i tell you i have i have video i I i'm sorry i have audio because the fbi was wiretapping us i have i have phone Mm -hmm. calls with coaches saying and if you read the book i have transcribed the phone calls in the book hey man what does it take for us to get this kid we'll do whatever we got to do Hey, we got three top 50 kids in the past year or two. Thank you for the relationship. None of that's a, none of that's allowed in the courtroom. None of it, because what you again, when you find out, money talks, and your skin color is the one that's gonna walk. Right, in that yeah,
1: case, okay, so, okay, yeah. and that's case, And Val got Val got a little ahead of us real quick because I was gonna bring that in a minute because I was gonna pull all that together. So she got that question out. What I wanted to go back real quick because I know you answered that, and you were gonna go back to yeah. tie 10. in. I was going to bring that question that Val asked a little later on because I really want the people that's listening tonight to really understand how this is going because I've got kids, i got people on on the night just looking at this thing, you know, through, through the eyes of coaches, recruiters, and shoe companies. And go back a little bit, you know, uh, the most recent situation uh, when we talked about the NIL was none other than Nashville's own James Wiseman that went to play for Penn and the situation that happened there. And right. he wasn't able to give a, a penny no more than a, a handful of games because mm-hmm. it revealed that the house came up and so forth and so on. So when you look at situations like Bronny, who is worth $12 million right now, right, on NIL, and you, and you look at today's news with Zach Edey going back to Purdue, right, and you look at, you know, mm-hmm. Oliver uh, Nimoy, who just decommitted or just transferred out of UT today. And here's the, the key part about that. He's now down to West Virginia and Baylor. And West Virginia makes a statement today, and I quote, it says, West Virginia University Athletics state that today, they receive a possible commitment from Oliver Nemoir because we can find compensation for foreign ball players, at the University of West Virginia that other schools cannot. So my question on that, how can they do that, Merle, and make this okay? Because now you just did five and a half, six months of telling the truth, right? We're talking, and by the way, guys, just listening to the show tonight, if you're not then make sure you subscribe. But we talked to my guy, Merle Cole, with the black market, and he's done this for six months We're talking about pre-pandemic Now post-pandemic When you get out We got NIL
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Insane So, so <laughs> it was it was going on Before NIL was allowed And what happened yep. was a spotlight So they lost they lost two cases N- NCAA lost cases in LA uh, yep. I believe his name was Sean Austin yep. Football player from, from West Virginia Actually University of West Virginia I believe Correct, uh, and he brought a case against the NCAA, uh, and they lost. The NCAA lost the case. Our, our case brought visibility and spotlight to the uh, exploitation of of these athletes, um, and again, there was pressure on them to do something. And again, does NIL solve the problem? It does not. It's a, it's a it's a bandaid over a, over a bullet wound. Right, but it does allow it does allow some of these young men and young women to earn monies outside of the school from a marketing perspective my problem with that is to val's earlier point is these schools are billion dollar entities mm. and these young men and young women who aren't your are superstars aren't receiving nil monies right but and they're just as, they're just as committed and giving their all and giving you their blood sweat and tears in their bodies and they don't get the same opportunities because they're not the face of those programs. These schools should be doing something. Again, it's it could be something small as each year you complete uh, a season and you are academic in, in good academic standing, they got to put 25 grand in your account.
1: Correct. So that when you
3: leave school, you got a head start on life because you've given them millions and millions of dollars of benefit. And so, um, right now, the NIL, again, is not a, It's not an end-all, be-all. It is not the answer. It mm-hmm. is a good step.
0: Okay, great. I have a question from the audience. Uh, this is uh, Mark Lee, who's one of the folks that uh, is one of our frequent flyers. He asked you your thought about transfer portals, mm-hmm. and then is there enough uh, minority agents in play? What, what do you say to that?
3: So uh, I'll start with the agent question there first. There are a number of minority agents. The problem is keeping them certified. Right, oh, playing wow. the game, playing mm-hmm. the game, right. So what happens is there's a test that has to be taken, and then there's a um, yeah. there's a fee. There's a fee that's associated with these agents on a on an annual basis. Let's just, and I don't know the exact number, so. Uh, forgive me for speaking a little bit out of school with the numbers, uh,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: let's just say the numbers are twenty five hundred dollars a year, right? To to maintain these the, your status. Well, that's not really the issue. What happens to these smaller agencies and young young minorities in the business? As a mom and pop shop, they get run out of business. Let me tell you why.
0: Wow. The,
3: your larger your larger agencies waive the fees on rookie contracts. Correct.
1: Your CAAs.
3: So your so your larger your larger your larger companies will say okay, in football I, in football the max is three percent on contracts. Basketball the max is four um, percent. And there's certain adjustments that are made sometimes on rookie scale rookie scale deals. Um, but those larger agents say, hey, you don't pay us anything. Now we paid for all your training. We paid for your housing. We paid for whatever we had. We paid for your your, your mom Travel. your to come see you. We've invested $150,000, $200,000 into you before the draft. Yep. And we're not going to charge you your first year salary. So we've taken a three or $400,000 hit. Well, no startup company is going to be able to withstand that kind of hit.
0: Right. So it, run, right. it
3: runs minority guys out of the business. It does, unless mm-hmm. they join a larger agency. That's the first part. The NI, the uh, transfer portal.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It is a gift and a curse. Um, wow. It is a gift in the sense that it does give young men and young women a chance to leave school um, without penalty um, and start playing immediately somewhere else. That That is certainly a gift because they should. If coaches can leave jobs and opportunities and go somewhere else freely, so should these kids. Um, the curse is it is a logjam of kids that are in the portal with nowhere to go correct mm-hmm. and it's also having a uh, negative impact on high school recruiting because there's so many young high school kids who aren't being recruited because every school is waiting on an experienced player that's leaving um, a, an existing college program to join their college program that's right. so, so for instance i have two young men Um, whose families I'm very close to who are super talented kids. Um, Both of them actually have a chance to be NBA players. They're that talented. Wow. Because they were high school students, they were being recruited at this mid-level to low-level D1 caliber because most of the high majors were saying, hey, we're waiting on the transfer. And so now both of those kids are going to go to prep school um, to give them another chance to kind of reach the levels that they should be playing so, again, it's, it's having and, – and what you're finding is you'll, you'll have close to 1,000 kids who are in the portal who won't have a place to go. They'll end up having to go to a D2 school or a JUCO or trying to walk on somewhere else because they're not welcome back in the programs that they left.
1: Right. Merrill, you and I, I talked about that all day. We just talked about that this week. That that's, that's my world as a JUCO coach.
3: Right.
1: Um, you know, we're loving you. And I just talked about this earlier this week. Uh, and to expand a little bit on that, uh, Mark, to that question. The other piece is that I personally got kids right now because of that portal. And I got high school kids. Exactly what Merle said. We can't find any place to go. We're trying. But here's a one, one bad part about what NIL has done also that Merle didn't mention. The transfer where we used to be able to have that one free transfer. Now the NCAA has gone back in and starting this fall. If you transfer more than once now, you're going to have to sit out a year. So they're bringing that back. And then you got to see, I think, Merle, you know, we were talking earlier this week, you're about to see the resurgence of the JUCO because these kids don't have anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. So you can see the resurgence of the JUCO or you're going to see prep schools start to really grow. Now, the problem to the prep schools is, as you and I mentioned as well, when you get the, "Quote unquote," the big shoe company money. You sometimes get some fly-by-night prep schools that pop up just to get kids' grades in order, and then next year they don't exist no more. A lot of people don't know about
3: that. So, to your, so to your point, man, if you read the book, I actually had that that very experience with a kid who a school was after, and it's a, it's it's a funny story, but it's a it's a sad story at the same time. Like a kid, and this school was willing to pay, and I don't even know how this happens, but the kid. Was uh, was going to a prep school. He missed a whole year of school because he was a rural area kid, just didn't go to school for a whole year. We get a <laughs> transcript and say, hey, man, what happened to your junior year? I didn't go. What you mean you didn't go? I didn't feel like going. <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> you
3: didn't feel like going and nobody called DSS. Nobody said anything. No, they right. our kids yeah. through the system, right, yeah. just to get them out. Well, he can't get into college because he's only got three years of, of high school Not credits. So this particular school calls somebody and puts him at this school. This boy gets a whole year's worth of classes in three months, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's eligible. He's eligible to go to this to this high pro to this D- Division One school. So, so Mr.
4: Uh, Mr. Code, I want to uh, just kind of reset. We're talking to Merle Code, uh, author of Black Market, An Insider's Journey into the High Stakes World of College Basketball. It's a book. It's available to you. If you're not familiar with it, you should check it out. Uh, we have the pleasure of talking to Mr. Cole now. One of the stories I wanted to get you uh, to tell us a little bit about has to do with a guy that if you watch any any uh, high-level college basketball over the last 10 years, and any pro, when he hasn't been hurt, he's been a force in the NBA, and that's Zion Williamson. Can you tell us a little bit about your interaction with Zion Williamson and and kind of his story?
1: Now that was a crazy story, by the way, Merle. You know that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it's and what's crazy, what what is crazy, Tony, is it's not crazy. What's crazy about it is that's kind of everyday par for the course as it relates to kids and parents and recruiting in in the high level world of basketball. It's right. no different in the high world of high level world of football,
4: and and he was one of the highest level uh, ranking high school players, and there was a lot of question about where was he going to go? Was he going to go to Clemson? Was he going to go to Duke? South Carolina, South Carolina. So what happened? What happened with Zion?
3: No, so again, I I, I met Zion um, actually on one of his recruiting visits at Clemson. Um, because I played there, I had a relationship with the staff, and from time to time they would invite, you know, my wife and I or some buddies of mine over for a football game just to kind of go hang out. Um, and so we would do that on occasion. Um, and I, you know, I try not to be one of those guys that played at a school and I'm always hovering around saying what y'all need to be doing. You no, know, I, you know, I would go over every blue moon and check it out. And so I went over this particular weekend for a football game, and one of the coaches introduced me to um zion's uh, stepfather and he kind of said hey man you the guy i've been looking for like really (laughs) why right right why are you looking for me what did i do No, man i just know who you are and know what you've done in the business and i know where you sit in terms of the the shoe companies and i need some help I, i need your guidance i need to know what to do who to do it with how to do it and i said okay i'm i'm certainly willing to do whatever i can to help you And so again, for me, man, I'm all about trying to help kids that look like us. Um, And I I wanna see guys and kids that look like us get a chance to to leave the situations and circumstances that we've been accustomed to. Uh, And if the game can provide them, um, you know, new direction and and, and upper trajectory in terms of the economic status in life, then so be it. That's that's what I feel like I've been called to do. Uh, And so long story short, kid was at, uh, his family had moved up from, from Marion up to Spartanburg Day, um, private school, which was about 20 minutes from my home. And I started seeing him on a regular basis. Started, you know, watching his stepfather work him out. You know, we go grab lunch, you know, lunch or dinner at the buffets around just to grab something to eat. And he's a, and a smart kid, nice kid. Uh, Mom Sharonda was in school. She was working at Northwood Middle uh lee lee was kind of you know working odd jobs kind of here and there but they were just kind of getting by um and so <clears throat> um uh, went through a whole process of kind of going through AAU, you know so i say AAU travel team searches in terms of where he was going to play and who's gonna who's gonna be the best fit for him who's gonna give him the most visibility so that he could kind of become a household name from a national perspective and so we did all of those things uh, we, we went through it put him in put him with a with a group of guys out of Atlanta um, that had, had been accustomed to having high profile guys, yep. knew those guys really well, um, and then and again the, the parenting thing kind of got in involved where they the, the mom mom and dad wanted to coach, and then it's like wait a minute. <laughs> so then the company stepped in, Adidas stepped in and said, okay, well we'll do whatever we want to because we want to keep this kid, we want to make sure he's he's part of our our, our family. And again, that, that works sometimes and sometimes and it doesn't. And again, in Zion's case, it didn't. You spend all these resources on a kid at that level and then Zion signs a, a multi-million so, dollar Jordan so, deal. But the stepfather Correct. gets a job, right? Uh, the mom got a job at the school. Mom gets a job. Yeah, but, a job but, but the, the
4: stepfather, gets a, he gets a tie-in with is Adidas, right? Adidas puts so, him on the payroll, don't they?
3: So they were getting a, they had a team deal. So they had a team.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. Right.
3: Yeah, totally clean so, it right. up. No, That's they so right. They started a team called South Carolina
1: Supreme, I believe. It was Supreme, the name. exactly. We, we played them in Atlanta, so
3: yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so okay. they were getting monies for the team that the family could then uh, allocate how they saw fit. Let's say it that
1: way. Okay. Correct. Okay. Okay. So, so Mike, we, what you don't stand I, on that Mike on that on the travel on the travel ball okay. side of it, Mike? When you got these shoe companies, as Merrill was saying, like with my program. You know, we walk away from AU to travel ball. So now you got three leagues that's left right now. You got Nike who controls EYBL. You got Adidas who have one point control the Adidas Gauntlet. And then of course you got the UA, which is the Andalma with Steph Curry. It's and so these good. companies, yeah, exactly. These companies get behind you. They give you the money, and you're supposed to put X amount of dollars per whatever age group that you particularly got, and to make sure that happens. And all that. The crazy part about the Zion story wasn't even that. The the part I like about it, Merle was that he had a brother that ran track and field, <laughs> who wasn't even D one material, and they convinced South Carolina to give him a scholarship. And Zion don't even sign it. <laughs> That's what the best part about it, man. That is, that is like you know, yeah, and you yeah, wonder yeah. what's going on
3: with that. The, you say, was, and, and, you know, the, the the disheartening part about this is. It puts a lot of young brothers who are assistant coaches um, in the crosshairs. Because Correct. So, their sole job is to go into black neighborhoods to go get black kids. They right? Do a whole lot of coaching. They're, wow. They're, based, they're basically, and I hate to say it this way, man, but the truth is the truth. They're basically field hands. They're going out to 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 service massa by going to get other field hands. They got to go get kids for for the for the for the, for the coach. And if they don't bring those kind of kids to coach, they don't keep a job. Correct. And so, it's, and so that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons you don't see a lot of black head coaches because we are viewed as recruiters, not coaches.
0: Correct. Wow. And
1: then uh, they, they, it, it, the hands are so crazy, Mike and Val, because, you know, again, being in the, in the, in the bottom of this coming up since 2002, 2003, you know, me and Merle Crawford passed and running the same thing at one particular point everybody in the United States, they went to Florida, Orlando, because right. you deemed it at, and then they got rid of that because right. the A said, wait a minute, we're in Indianapolis, why are we going to the bottom of the country when the majority right. of the people can get to Indianapolis and get to where we gotta go? So they will use guys and programs like myself who have good players to reach mm-hmm. out to the Merle Coles of the world. So right. Uh, I mean, people right now, if you have not had an opportunity to get this book the black market, by my guy Merle Cole.
0: Right. Kevin, make
1: sure you put it in the crosswalks and, Make sure right. we get it. And, and, and Merle, you can tell and tell the
3: people how they can order.
0: Yeah, and let me, let me let me.
3: I'm sorry. Oh, okay,
0: great. Let me go ahead and jump in, and I want to at least swing it because this is happening right now. We're talking basketball. So I just want to know. <laughs> well,
4: absolutely. I mean, and 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 kind of to tie-in to what what both of uh, but Coach Tony and our great guest Merle Code, has been saying, mm-hmm. the team, the Miami Heat, have been coming up with these players who are were not the best-known players. Players. Duncan Robinson. You know, three. Uh, oh, oh our, our guy, uh, our guy from uh, Southside, too. Coach Tony, right? Three-pointer. Hit those, uh, hit those three uh, three pointers at the beginning of uh, game game two to help tie it up. So 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 so, uh, Mr. Cole, as you watching as you watching the NBA Finals, what what do you see talent wise in terms of the players there? I mean, are we as fans surprised because these people weren't you know they're not coming from the highest universities or? Some of the things that you're talking about have happened. So we're surprised to see this talent, this level of talent yeah. that we're seeing. Yeah, no, I
3: I think that if you if you listen to it enough, man, it's 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 bad. it's almost getting unnerving how much they're talking about these undrafted guys from Miami. Like they talk about it too much. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Right. It's, it's 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 really unnerving because again, they say it every other sentence. Undrafted. Okay, he was undrafted. Does that mean he can't play? No, it's not what right. it if, if, if he couldn't play, he wouldn't be on the roster. If he couldn't Correct. play, he wouldn't be starting for an NBA team. If he, would, if he couldn't play, he wouldn't be scoring 19, 20 points in an exactly. NBA finals. Like, stop it. The kid can play, exactly. period. And so, drafting players is an inexact science, right? It's a it's your best guess based on some some facts and some metrics that you'll get it right and this guy will be able to help your organization. Right. A lot of teams don't get it right. Right, That happens. Guys fall through the cracks and there's so many guys that can play that don't necessarily get an opportunity to play at the NBA level. These guys, these guys were the fortunate few right, that did get an opportunity but there's so many more guys who could do the same thing these guys are doing if given the opportunity. There's a ton of good basketball players around. I am not surprised. I'm happy for those dudes that they've they've made a mark for themselves. They're in a system that fits their abilities. You have to give Spolstra a lot of credit for how he's positioned these guys and, and, and what they run and, and the players they surrounded themselves with. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I think the general public is surprised. But when you watch basketball, as, as Tony and I do every day, you see a bunch of dudes that can absolutely go. And guys that are in Europe, they can go. Or in Russia, they can go. Or playing in south america they can go these dudes can go they can play they just haven't been necessarily afforded the same opportunities as some of these other guys have so no i'm not surprised that they're having successes um it's a the the finals are interesting because it's a clash of styles mm-hmm. um and so who, whose style is going to win out is still you know yet to be determined but um, it's it's interesting and it's fun to watch because guys that can make plays and shoot the basketball the way Miami does, man, you gotta you gotta cheer for guys that can, can they, that play that way. Right, right. They, they, they do all that stuff no, like I that. Do.
1: Especially no, especially, no, you know. The, I do. I do.
3: <laughs>
1: hey, hey, no. and, and, and me and Mike go back and forth because I told him, I told him a month ago that that Denver that Denver was gonna win this all. Well, I told him right, that, right, right, you know. Right. I already no, told him so. Hey, but we're gonna and I kind of got
3: because I told them them was gonna be in the finals. They was like, ain't no way. And I was like, okay. There you go. I no, just told no, you. I, I, <laughs> I didn't deny
1: that. That I wouldn't deny. Are they gonna win the finals? No. Oh, They're gonna, I, gonna I, win this final. They, They're they, they gonna win this final. But listen, I, man, I appreciate and, and, and the last comment I'm gonna make on that, Merle, that you said, and, and Mike, you were correct. And that is, you know, Duncan Robinson, a division three kid, right? That transfers, gets to the University of Michigan. And you would not think a D3 kid come to the University of Michigan and start over these Power 5 kids, right? Then he's the one out of that entire bench that goes pro. So, and then he goes to Miami and and he's contributing. He's not just on the team, but he's on the floor. So, you know
4: but what we're learning and we're learning you'll learn it if you read black market and insider's journey to the high stakes world of college basketball by Merrill cole you'll learn that these players these are some of these are the cream of the crop players but there's so many other players out there that have talent that have skills and because we have narrowed it down to say that this is how you do it. And this is how you get in. And this is the path inside. We're missing out on these people. Now, once that widens, I think that's what we're beginning to see, right? We're beginning to see it stretch out just a little bit so we get to see the talent that we're just, watching. Mike,
3: Mike, you're seeing it at every level, though, because you're seeing. Remember, right. how many guys? Pay, I want you guys to pay attention to something. Okay. Pay attention to how many guys leave small schools and end up at larger schools. Correct during the transfer portal. Pay attention to how many guys leave, let's say, Middle Tennessee and end up at Arkansas, right? Or how many guys leave a, 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 a D2 school uh, as the leading scorer and end up at a Power 5, a Pac-12, a Big 10, an ACC. Pay attention to how many of those ki- how many of those situations happen. It's happening more frequently. Yep.
4: Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that's what
1: we should expect in the future. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. But listen... I tell you, man, you, you my gal, baby. I appreciate the time, the night, Merle. Man, I appreciate
3: it. Before I go, I want to ask y'all a question before I go. Yes, sir. Who did the song better, Tevin Campbell, or Prince?
1: Come on, man.
0: <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> You're going to do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Hey, wasn't that an exciting time listening to Merle thank you so very much always coach for bringing such a great guest to the platform and you know what I have to say you have been one of the um, outstanding hosts with sports bringing some phenomenal guests but I am excited to announce we're excited to announce that you have something coming up coming in August. What's happening in August, Coach?
1: Well, Val, it's been it's been great. First of all, working on your platform, and I just want to build the ship. And we're family here. And I mm-hmm. uh, and seeing that you know the show that you have got and Mike on Wumble on Wednesdays, I want to continue to grow the Pure Light logo and interludes. And I am be launching the pull up podcast like basketball. We're gonna pull up. And we're going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about four quarters of business, four quarters of fun. And if you got something to add on the show, pull up on me in the fourth quarter. We're going to see what you're talking about. It's going to be yeah. fun, exciting. We're going to have various types of guests. And you know, and we're going to bring you stuff like we're going to talk about tonight with Meryl Cole. No guests like that. That's going to be substance to what we talk about.
0: So coming in August... Coach Tony now has his own platform called the Pull Up Podcast. Four quarters, or one hour, of some of the best in sports podcasting. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is another edition of Interludes. To watch the entire interview featuring Merle Cold, the author of Black Market, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. next time on interludes we're celebrating black music month with columbus ohio based dj crate Digger. on the next interludes <laughs> have you seen it it's entertainment reviews fabulous interviews and sports you can use Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat.
2: Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble. Produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a peer lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by.
0: Need help with wills, trust, or protecting your LLC? Join Legal Shield today. For more information regarding legal protection or to join our worldwide sales team, Text the word legal to 347 652 0243.
2: To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join Interlude's Facebook group, visit the website linktree slash peerlightmedia. That's l i n k t r dot e -E slash peerlightmedia.